0: Welcome to this episode of The Rise After the Fall. We're so excited to have a special guest with us today, and so I thought I'd pass it over to you, my love, and let you do a proper introduction.
1: Yes, so we are going to call this episode, What About the Wife and the Children? We had What About the Wives, and we Mm -hmm. had Starla Bridges a few episodes ago, but we wanted to keep going this direction. And so thank you for being with us, our special guest. Uh, will, you, will you just start by telling us how you connected with us?
2: I sure will. Um, I'm so excited to be here too, by the way. I'm feeling all the emotions right now, (laughs) all of them. Um, So it was just a God thing, wasn't it? I Mm -hmm. mean, here I am. I'm in my car. I'm on Instagram, which um, at this point in my life, I'm not really on much. And I'm scrolling through, and here's um, a sponsor ad that I've never seen before. And it's you guys in the podcast. And um, it caught my attention. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, I'm, a, I'm kind of a podcast junkie. Nice. So I'm like, I need to listen to this. And so I turn it on and it was like, um, it was the very first episode where you guys were kind of introducing yourselves. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love their heart. Like, I just love this. And so I get about four or five episodes in and um, I'm just like, God, I, I'm like, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. They're they're t- they're right where I'm at, and so I Google the both of you and Sunny. You put all your information out there, I do. which I'm like, like so who cool. is this? <laughs> like who is this? Who does this? And so I actually said, okay, I'm going to call her, and I I called you. You answered, and again I'm like, oh my gosh, who does this? You know, <laughs> who is this person? And so that's that's where it started, and I'm like, you don't know me. Um, But I was a pastor's wife and... Here's what I went through. And I think gosh, we sat on that phone and we talked. I was in a Walmart parking lot. We talked forever. Mm-hmm. And it just, it was such a God thing. And it was just like this instant friendship. Mm-hmm. It was that you were there for me.
1: Yeah. And you said, I'm in the middle of it. This yeah. isn't like five years removed. No. This isn't even my husband and I are back no. together. It worked out. Yeah. That's Sean and I's story. Yes. It wasn't quick for us, but we we made it through together and we're together yes. that is not your story no, so it's not oh. yeah it's in the not. middle
0: of it enough if i could interject that we didn't forget to introduce you we're just mm-hmm. not at liberty right. to introduce right. you at this moment yes. because you are in the middle of it yes and i it, am it's, uh, yes it's thank a challenging you. situation it is
2: it is but yeah i i am kind of in the middle of it beginning to middle of it um my story is um Almost 11 months ago, um, my world blew up. Um, my husband and I have pastored a really large church, a booming church. Um, we were pastors almost eight years and um, knew some things were um, wrong in our relationship. But I honestly, just looking back, like I just thought, okay, like we are really going through some rough things right now. And we're gonna get over these things just like every other thing in our life, you know? We're gonna make it. And I mean, my goodness, we have been through COVID. We've gone through the, the racial unrest. We've been through so many things. So just like every other pastor that, you know, we knew, like, of course, like we were going through some stuff. So, you know, I, I wasn't really like my mind would every now and then go to the worst and then I would draw it back in. It's mm-hmm. like, no, that's not us we're going to be okay. And, um, it was the day after Christmas that I discovered my husband was having an affair Mm. and it's like overnight, everything that I knew, um, everything, every, every sense of security, every sense of, um, comfort that I have, it went away literally overnight. And, um, the really heartbreaking um, part of that is that, you know, you, you hear the, these things happen. These things happen to so many of us, but then you hear a great and beautiful restoration story, right, which I was so open to. I was so, I mean, and it's so hard to say this, and I know not everybody will understand it, but even at the beginning, Mm. I was so open to, like, my heart can find forgiveness because I love my family. And I could see so clearly the work of the enemy, you know? Like, I could see his hand in it, his hand on my husband, um, his hand wanting to rip apart of our church and our family. And I, I would not let that happen, ever. Um, but that wasn't my situation. My My ex, now ex-husband, husband then, decided that— um, he didn't want to be who he was anymore. He didn't want our family like it was anymore. And he didn't want me. And so he chose to to walk away and continue his affair. And um, yeah, it's it's been really hard.
1: So it was the day after Christmas. So obviously, this is a time where kids aren't in school doing their yeah. thing. It's not September 15th. And you're just like, okay, we'll strategize. Yeah. No, this is Christmas. This it is, is uh, this isn't a time you can distract yourself. Yeah. And you you have young kids, and then you have kids out of the house. That's
2: right. That's right. So that's
1: why in this episode, you know, as pastors, when we're counseling a couple that doesn't have kids yet, we have a far different— uh, strategy and concern Mm -hmm. than when there is a couple with one, two, three kids. Yes. Because we're like, oh, this isn't just about you two and your marriage. This is about your kids. That's right. So I you know, I'm sure you you said already you didn't want it to end and you're thinking of your little ones going, We gotta work
2: this out for them too. Yes. But
1: you said your husband didn't want to, was that obvious like from day one, this isn't going to be something we work on? It
2: was. It was. I mean, I think, um, yeah, it really was. I think I maybe had hope for a few days there, but um, yeah, you just know somebody so well. I mean, we were married for 22 years, and so I knew him well enough to know that this, this, there's no fight, Mm -hmm. there's no fight, there's nothing. Um, And so although I expressed that, hey, I I have forgiveness for you, like, this is what I'm offering you. And you know, there was no, there was no nothing from his end. And so then you just kind of go into mama bear mode and protection mode. And that's exactly where I went. And the, um, the other part, you know, of that is just, you're just kind of in a fog, you know, if you know anything about, um, you know, just, I mean, we talked about the grieving process a lot um, through all of this. And like, I think I was in that shock. just I was just in utter shock of the whole situation. And so I'm um, that's kind of like where I'm at and then my whole world around me is falling apart. And so like overnight, like, you know, we're having to call overseers and we're, we're having to, um, you know, answer questions. And then the church is, it is told and, um, I'm having to deal with all those things and also, you know, care for my children and care for myself.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were you brought in the loop on those decisions?
2: You know, um, yes and no, Um, not as much as I probably should have been brought into those decisions. You know, I wish now looking back, I wish we would have been able to press pause Mm. on everything. I wish I would have known enough about trauma to know that um, we don't need to be making any kind of major decisions right now. Um, no, but they, they just kept, you know, they did ask me a few questions and, and again, I probably wasn't in the place to be answering any kind of questions, Mm -hmm. um, about my future, about my children's future. And then also, you know, you really, you trust the people that you put in place to take care of you. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you really do trust those people. And I, you know, I'm trying, I try to have grace because we don't all have the answers. I know that like it's, it's very difficult. It's difficult for everybody because these are our close friends, people who care and love for us. And so they are also, you know, they're also in shock. And so I know oftentimes people are doing the very best that they can with what they've been given. Mm -hmm. Um, but there, there's definitely room for improvement, mm-hmm. you know. Now, now that we're further down the road, um, gosh, you know, I have so many regrets. You mm-hmm. know, just wish we would have pressed that pause button. Wish there was, I wish there would, um, they would have been a little bit more attentive to my my childrens, where yeah. where I hurt most. Yeah.
0: Do you feel like you had somebody in this process, maybe in retrospect, that you feel like was there for you?
2: Hmm. Um. No. Mm-hmm. No. Honestly, no. Um. I feel like it was me and uh my girls. My yeah. girls are the older ones. You know, they're kind of. I, I, I laugh and say that uh my my little kids have three extra mamas. Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, gosh, we were there for each other. Mm-hmm. Thank God for my girls because I really don't feel like anybody else was there for me. I feel like a lot of people. Um, honestly, we're there for my husband.
0: Right. And and that's, that's the, where I want to go with that is because I think from a cautionary side for a man looking at it, who is, you know, is the trend for a long time to have a co-pastor or a co-lead pastor. And then, and then here at Life Church in Green Bay, we changed that. Mm -hmm. Like we're not Mm co-pastors. So Sonny is actually the lead pastor Mm -hmm. and I'm the senior pastor. But as I've thought about that through the years, I've, I've, I've wondered often, not what would happen if I had a moral failure or anything like that? But I've actually thought what would happen if I died? Yeah. And I think about all of the women like you, Mm -hmm. who you're an incredible leader. Mm -hmm. You're an influencer to the max yourself. You, if we said your name, I mean, so many people would know who you are. And yet, even though you were there hand in hand, lockstep building that church, just Mm -hmm. as Sonny has been here in Green Bay, it's, amazing to me Mm -hmm. how many women, wives, and then their kids would be left out in the cold. Yeah. Because I think there's a great lip service in the church world right now that Mm -hmm. says that, oh, we're pro women. But at the same time, when the rubber meets the road, they go, had... Had your ex-husband had to step away because of something on your end, he would have continued to be, comp. I'm sure. I am too. He would have continued to be compensated. So I think like for me, as I hear that, it's a challenge to the people who are listening to this, particularly the men mm-hmm. who I would say, if you have your wife arm in arm with you in ministry, you need to get that legally set up. Yes. Like if something happens to you, then your wife and your kids are are taken care of Great. for however long. Because as I look at you, I go, uh, you're, you're suffering consequences of, of a crime you didn't commit.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, and yours goes on and on. Uh, <laughs> you. So one thing I was thinking too, as you were saying that, is I think Sean was thinking the same thing. On a board, you typically have men and even boards that have some women on it typically the pastor, the senior pastor, or if it's co-pastors, the male of that partnership is the president of the board. Uh, and then that board works with the pastor. And and that's so true. Like our board right now, they would totally uh, respect me, honor me. But if push came to shove, they're really Sean's board. Yes. And what's interesting is we pastor together we have conversations in the bed about the per- the yes. future and the purpose of the church and the yes. mission.
2: Same burdens. Yep, yes.
1: Same burdens. We carry and we keep things from our husband that we hear because he doesn't need to hear it when he's got to preach on yes. Sunday. We take the pulpit and speak. But yes, then we pay for the sins of our husband. And and right now, I mean, you know, we've brought up this name. Maybe they'll call us. But Brian and Bobby Houston. Mm-hmm. Bobby, okay, she's suffering for the yes. sins of her husband. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Is it fair? It's not fair. No. Uh, They're trying to work it out. They're together still. But yeah, it's sad. And so now it's turned into more of a war between the board and Brian Mm -hmm. because of how Bobby was treated. Mm -hmm. But I said on the last podcast, just as the, the the sins are covered by Jesus' blood for all of us, when our husband, especially not when the wife is much, but when the husband's sins happen it seems to cover the wife and she has to pay the consequence. Yeah, it does. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem right or fair. But as you said, Sean, if the listeners, if they're a pastor or a board listening to this, what can we do to safeguard? We get insurance policies, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking. We're not talking about the death of a spouse that we get an insurance policy to raise our kids and finish out as the wife with the husband who died. We're talking, no, a spiritual insurance policy. Are there a few women who would go to bat for the the woman yes. to a board and they have the right to
2: speak to the board? Yes.
0: Well, yeah, I think, and you're you're just in such a unique,
2: very unique situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh,
0: uh, simply because I th- I think. A lot of times, when you talk about infidelity, you're trying to figure out well, how is the wife going to recover? How is the wife ever going to forgive? How are they ever going to be restored to one another? But you were so right there. Mm-hmm. And yet, even though given multiple opportunities to my understanding and not from you, to be clear, I haven't been told one thing about the situation at all, as far as from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. But from my understanding, lots of opportunities given uh even for restoration into leadership, but yes. that wasn't wanted. No. So no. as we continue your journey and your story, that's, I think, the unique turn on the road that we're on. So now you found out, you are trying to figure out how am I going to protect my my kids? Mm-hmm. But the thing I think a lot of us don't think about is now. now you've got to think about practical decisions. Yes. What am I going to drive?
2: Yes.
0: Where am I going to live? Yes. How am I going to buy groceries? So, so once, once you extended the olive branch and, and he didn't want it. And mm-hmm. once even, uh, the olive branch was extended for restoration and he, not only did he not want to be with you, he didn't
2: want restoration be, period. Yeah, re- yeah.
0: Restored. So what did that look like from that point? You're wow. now. At
2: that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It looked so different. Um, gosh you know so so much I can unpack here um so you know we we have a church we we have the the board of the church you know you have you have that you have the people and then we have oversight as well we have um, the organization that we are a part of we have pastors as well and I would have thought that that organization that my pastor and my pastor's wife would have immediately reached out to me because we were closer than close, you know, like my husband was kind of, um, his guy, you know, um, we were at everything, everything, serving, giving our time, giving our money, um, you know, supporting and championing their causes and not one phone call. Not, not one phone call. Um, what I love is that the church people, um, man, they're just awesome. Like, they loved on me from afar. Um, even our staff really tried to love on me, but they were even told to leave me alone, and they didn't know why. They thought that they were extending, um, you know, like, maybe this is something that I had requested is what I found out later, that I just needed time, which— was not what I needed. Um, not hearing from people, I can't tell you how lonely it made me feel. And so as time went on, you know, they started to reach out and tell me, oh, well, we were told not to reach out to you and your family. And you start connecting the dots. And, um, you know, <laughs> looking back, it's like I would have done so many things so. Differently, And I'm a fighter, naturally. Um, I am a fighter. And so when I started to realize, okay, this is actually what's happening. Like me and my children are really not welcome. At the church that I built around my coffee table in my home mm. eight years ago, we're really not welcome because of what my husband's done. Um, the fighter came out in me a little bit as, you know, they were kind of, you know, putting things on paper, like, this is what we can offer you. This is what we can do for you. Because now, because of what your husband's done, naturally, he doesn't have a job any longer, which I totally agree with. Um, But unfortunately, you don't have a job either. I did ask, like, can I please keep my job? Because I was very aware of, you know, along with everything else, like, now I can't keep my home where do, the, where do my cars go? Like, I what do I do? Like, I don't, this is all I've done. Literally for 22 years, you know, I've given my life to ministry. And so now what do I do? So I was like, can I keep my job in some kind of capacity? And I was told no, um, but we're gonna take care of you in other ways. But those other ways didn't come with a lot of comfort. They didn't come with, you know, certain, certain things that I needed for my children. Yeah. And so as I began to ask for it, it was very clear that I wasn't supposed to ask for those things. I was just supposed to take what they were offering me. And so, I mean, I was actually told by one of my really, really good friends um, when I asked, should I have a lawyer look over this? Because I didn't understand all the ins and outs and all the words. And, you know, it's a legal document. If I involve a lawyer... His words to me was, I'm out. I'm out. And he honestly was one of the ones I was looking to. Like, you're my friend, you know, oh, you're wow. supposed to have my back. And so it just became very clear to me, I am very much on my own. Mm. I am very much on my own. And there's so many layers, Sean. There's so many layers. Yeah. You know, there was there was a lot. It's I can't put the fault all on one person because there was a lot behind um, behind the curtain, that my husband had done a lot of manipulation, a lot of setting up. He knew he was on his way out. Oh, man. He knew he was on his way out, and he was trying to set up the perfect setup, unfortunately, to make his out and maybe possibly come back, you know, um, not as a pastor, because I do think it was the weight of you know, just kind of the size we were and and everything that he had to carry. I do think that weight was crushing him, but this is all he's ever done too. Yeah. And so he was just carefully, you know, trying to figure out how do I do this? How do I go about this? And so there was, um, there was certain board members, you know, that I had tried to be a part of that. We had always done these things and made these decisions together to one day we just didn't. And I would protest and say, okay, if we're looking at new oversight, like I want to have a say so in that too, which I feel like pastors' wife should. Mm-hmm. They absolutely should. Because you end up you may, you know, they take one day. Care of you yes, or not. they may mm-hmm. take care have to take care of you one day. And unfortunately, I found out, you know, that um he had messed with the oversight. And there was there was even people on our, our board that even They didn't even know they were on our board. And so it was a very messy situation. Did you just
0: say there were people on your board who they didn't know they were on your board? There was.
2: There was actually a really sweet pastor. Shout out if you know who you are. (laughs) He did not know he was on the board. He did not know he was on the board. I didn't even know that was
0: legally possible. It
2: probably wasn't. And he stepped up.
0: Wow. You know, credit
2: to him. He stepped up and said, okay, okay. Now, he didn't have much say-so, of course, you know. Yeah, you know, but um, but well, you yeah. had some
0: heavy hitters on your board too, yes, which which did. lots of yeah. I mean, your your church was beyond a mega church. Yeah. There are levels of churches. I would say there's there's mega churches and then there's monster churches. Yeah. And you you guys were a monster church. And I just delivered this uh, message in the Packer Chapel a couple of weeks ago about a failure and success. And I've come to this conclusion that there are a lot of people who can handle failure, but not a lot of people who can handle success.
2: You are it, correct. It is
0: daunting. <laughs> yes, what, it is. What you, but here's the thing. I'm not a punch puller. I'm a grace person, mm-hmm. except when people don't want it. Yeah. And so I don't have a lot of grace for your former... Partner at this point, there's been some people during this process, not just yours, but throughout this podcast that Sonny has asked me to reach out to that Mm -hmm. I've just said, No, Mm. I don't, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in that because I understand the weight. Yeah. Now, you know, at our height before COVID, we were crushing thousands of people, nowhere near what you guys were doing, and nowhere near the speed with which you grew. And so you know, I I played uh, college ball with a guy who was like actively, overly on anabolic steroids, and I watched him gain like a hundred pounds in a year. And he legitimately lost his mind. He's in federal penitentiary now, mm. and and will never get out because he continued to harm people while he's incarcerated. He's just literally wow. the drugs made him lose his mind. And, and what happened is that the influx of that extra testosterone caused his brain to malfunction. Mm. And sometimes that happens in leadership Mm. where somebody (laughs) receives so much extra success and uh, attention. And I think that there are some guys that God doesn't want them to get the level of attention that they get, but man hears about it. And there are so many clout chasers in the Mm. world. So many people who, who wanted to claim mm-hmm. and not just your husband, but lots of other people who, and, and what's interesting is then, is, is then you have what I call bottom feeders. They're beyond clout chasers and they're people who clap onto somebody who has fallen with the hopes mm. that they will rise again. And mm. this is happening with oh, Brian Ryan Houston, Houston right and now. And
2: this is happening right now with, with your my ex-husband. Husband. Yes,
0: Right. And so I, I mm. would say the challenge for you from as I'm listening to you, is like I had a fall, right? Like I lost everything. Mm-hmm. Our our house was a church parsonage. Our cars were owned by the church. Our health insurance was. And so we lost all of that. We had to buy a $3,000 car and figure out how to redo life. And I, I couldn't get a job. And I couldn't get a job because I didn't have a marketable skill. Most people who are in ministry don't have marketable <laughs> no. skills outside of ministry. And no. so then I think like back to... The wife, again, to go like you gave your whole life Mm -hmm. for 22 years to one thing. You could have done a bunch of other things. Now, could you have gone and got a job as a teacher or a nurse's aide or whatever? Maybe, but at the same time, the calling comes without repentance. Yes, That's what grieves me is that you didn't stop being called. No. And you didn't stop being anointed and you didn't stop having a purpose. But what's happening is that, that men, and and it could be men and women. I'm just saying, man, humanity is stepping in and trying to play God. And this is happening to wives. And this, I'm telling you, I'm so pro women in ministry anyway. More than half of our staff is female here. Just because I just look at it and I go, there are certain skills that people have that I don't care what their gender. Mm -hmm. But I'm probably so passionate about this because I understand and recognize the fact that my wife is a better leader than me. I'm better at some things than she is. I could carry boxes better than she can all day. <laughs> I'm probably a better natural speaker than she is. She's probably got better content than me when she does bring a message, but it's just my natural inclination. I'm a better singer than she is. But when it comes to leadership, like this church would never be what it was without her. And I get the impression from spending the last couple of days with you that that's the same thing on your behalf. And that's the same thing. I I can think of a dozen other Guys right now who that's the case and they're guys who haven't fallen. And so what, what my practical question, and I know that you legally, there's some things that you can't say. What have you lost? You lost your house.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Did you lose your cars?
2: So I didn't lose my car. Um, okay. And I, wow, you know, I'm even careful to say yeah. this. Um, I didn't have my own personal vehicle. Okay. I had what we would call a, a host, a church host vehicle. Okay. So it was, it is a nice vehicle. Like I'm so proud to have it. I'm still yeah. driving it right now. Perfect. Thank you, Jesus. You know, um, but it's a vehicle that kind of goes to whoever needs, needs it and yeah. to pick up people. My ex is driving a hundred thousand dollar truck.
1: Did the church give him that? When yes, he went? they. Yes, they he was did. Gifted things.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and so yes, I I lost. You know, a lot. I you know, I won't have insurance for much longer. You know, there's a there's a lot, and I had to fight for these things that I'm saying that I I do have. I absolutely had to fight for yeah. them, and it, it was not pretty. And I I didn't like that. I didn't like having to fight for those things. But I was I was fighting for my children was fighting for my children. And um, you know, now I'm fighting for my purpose. Come on. You know because you're right. You're you're so right. Like just because my husband did what he did, just because he was making his exit strategy, it doesn't change the way I feel about ministry. It doesn't change the way I feel about that church or those people. I mean, I I very much still feel tethered to those people. I very much still, you know, carry that pastoral um, just assignment, if you will. Like I feel it, you know. And even my my sweet children, I think more than they grieved the divorce, that they grieved their daddy not being in the home. I heard in those first few months, "Mom, why can't we go back to church?" Oh. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and it wasn't any. It wasn't that it wasn't ever. I, I want to be clear. It wasn't that anyone said, "Do not come." It's what they didn't say. Does that make makes yeah. sense mm-hmm. to me. So but I don't, if you
1: can't have your job there. That's clear. Yes.
2: And you don't really understand. And, and you know, and it was just so, so many, you know, so many people rallied around me. And you know, I, I heard through the grapevine. I wasn't talking to very many people at the time, but I heard through the grapevine that there was kind of a ruckus. You know, they were just checking in, like, are you taking care of her and those kids? Mm. Wow. And, and that made me feel so, so good. I love those people. Um, they probably weren't asking the right questions, you know, but they were checking in on me. But there were those in leadership who abandoned me, those who were really, really close, who should have been there, who weren't there. And I heard a lot of, well, it takes two. I can't tell you guys how much I hate Mm. that statement Mm. because you know what? It doesn't always take two.
1: It doesn't well, always take well, two. Well, even yeah, if I it takes ten.
2: two to have issues, does that allow divorce and no, affairs? No, and, and not <laughs> that I—I I, I mean, I'll be the first to raise my hand and say I'm not perfect. I mean, my goodness, I—I I had a lot to learn, you know, about marriage. But but I was a good wife. I mm-hmm. can I can sit here and say I I loved my family well. I loved my husband well. Was I perfect? Absolutely not. But I I you know I worked all the time to make sure that I was growing and mm-hmm. trying to be everything that a wife should be, a wife and a mom should mm-hmm. be. And so that's why I say I hate that statement mm-hmm. because what happened to me, I didn't deserve. No one deserves that. Mm-mm. Would you no say one. you had
0: a an older female pastoral figure mentor who would have spoken into your life along the way to help you become better in your role?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's another problem we can probably highlight you know not really unfortunately, I just feel like women you know my husband had so many so many men you know mentors yeah. things like that it was a little bit harder for me to um to really like I had to kind of find my own way a lot of the time and I did I had a, I had a few people who would speak into my life but no I mean it, it was it was. It was kind of a lonely
0: life. It is something that you don't think about a lot, though. Like, I wouldn't think you, Sonny, would sit around and think, I need to be mentoring some young pastor's wife somewhere. Not that it's not an admirable thing to do. It's just something that you don't... Typically,
2: well, I think it's mom, yeah. like when you're a mom too. Like we wear so many hats mm-hmm. in general, so it's not like I'm knocking women. It's just it's an observation. Mm-hmm. Like men go to a lot of retreats, yeah. men go Fly to fishing. a yes, a <laughs> lot of things, and it's just it just seems like you guys get poured into a lot,
0: absolutely, which I'm
2: so grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, but there could be a little bit more for women. Well, and
1: we're a rare breed, even mm-hmm. in 2022.
0: You not that you're not that rare that and that's the thing that and I'm not ad- refuting you I'm just saying we're, that we're, that's that's yeah. a that's a line that we would use so that we let people mm. off mm-hmm. that's it's a, it's a yeah. cop out yeah. you guys it's are true. not there are so many. Incredible female leaders who are married to incredible male mm-hmm. leaders. But the problem is that when you go to a thing for men, then they look at you and they say, well, would you like to go have your nails done?
1: Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't exactly. nails do want to have yes. my nails done, but right now I want to learn everything you're exactly. breathing into the men. Oh,
2: that's always how I felt. Yeah. And you're, you're like hitting it. Like mm-hmm. literally we would go to things and that's, that would be the deal. Like, okay, we could sit on, sit in on some of the sessions and then right. they would take us off to the spa. Well, that's great. I can, go do that on my own time. Yes, and I will like, <laughs> I want to be in yes. on the meetings because I want to learn and I want to grow. And again, I am very much a part of this. I yeah. was around the table when we planted, when we even before this church even had a name, huh. you know, you like were, I, you was were make the name. I was there. I was there. Yes.
1: Isn't it interesting? I think women have a table or a seat at the macro table. Mm. I have a seat at the macro table. I actually sit at the head of the table of our local church. I sit at the head of the table of our church in Toronto now as the executive pastor. And the pastor, if the pastor gives me the authority, I have the authority. But on a, am I saying that right?
0: A micro level.
1: Micro level, not a macro. At a micro level, a small level, a local level. But on the macro, the large level, I have less of a seat. I still will go to a... a pastor's thing, sit around a table and be asked, now, do you work at the church? And so we're talking about that. And I thank you, Sean, for saying, no, it's not that there's not women like us. In fact, we just had, gosh, 17. No, we had over 20 people at our lead team meeting with our staff and the females outnumbered the males. Yeah, they did. And every female that was there with a husband... She's strong. She's full time. She, she's co or lead or executive pastor. Uh, you know, I would look to Robin Wilkerson. Yeah, but we don't have a lot of time, and and I think a lot of people would look to Robin Wilkerson, and so we all think, well, don't bug her too much because she's got you know. There's so many women that mm-hmm. need one woman who's yeah. actually that that lead. The, I don't want to. I'm not throwing this at anybody in particular, but us ladies say often, yeah, it's a good old boys club and we know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. And I think denominations can be good old boys club. But I will say there's value in a denomination that a district will come in and say, hold up. yes, This is not going to be this pastor gets off with all this because everybody on his boards, his friend, mm-hmm. who he had in to preach mm-hmm. and gave them tens of thousands Absolutely. of dollars to preach. And then he went and preached for them and he got yes. tens of thousands of dollars. And this is where the celebrity pastor thing comes about. And he was given Gucci shoes, right. Gucci jacket to mm-hmm. come to preach. Mm-hmm. First of all, what's that have to do with it? And then, so there's like this, and this is why we just did the episode on deconstruction. This is why there is valid points to deconstruction. Celebrity pastor, megachurch, the oversight is your best friends. And there aren't any old guys saying, can we go back a little in tradition and, and have some bureaucracy? Because then the other side of the pendulum is, a lot of people have come from denominations where there's so many layers of, we air quotes, accountability and bureaucracy. And they're like, they tried to take my church. Well, some of us need our church taken. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well,
0: and when I, when I going back to the thing that you talked about, that there's things that could have been done, you know, where people were asking, are you being taken care yes. of? That's an easy fix. Yes. The leadership of your f- church slash former church could have so easily... Brought you on the stage and said, "This is the true story." Yes, I could. Happened.
2: I would have loved. But I would have loved to had a voice.
0: We're so, let's say, like the leadership team, oversight teams. They they they're so keen on looking like they're protecting the church, but mm-hmm. they're not protecting the church. They're no. protecting the pastor and themselves. And
2: themselves
0: when. When somewhere along the line, they have forgotten the fact that in the Bible, it mm. describes the church as the bride of Christ. And yes. so how can you defend one wife while ignoring another? Yes. It's that it's hypocrisy.
2: It is. And
0: so I wish that I could have an audience with your overseers because I have uh, no fear. Mm-hmm. And I think just f- from my mouth to your ears, for what it's worth, it, do- it doesn't pay your mortgage. Yeah. But I would say... Uh, it's ungodly mm.
2: i'd love to have an audience with them too <laughs> well and i don't <laughs> I mean that laugh, rudely yes, I know you know exactly conversation well Sonny, you know how important like how many times have you heard me speak about this where i'm like i need to make sure that i have the right heart yeah. yes. when and i speak do. about mm-hmm. this i really want to have the right heart and i've really tried to look through the lens of their you know of their eyes and have a different perspective. And so when I say I would love to have a conversation, um, like, I don't take the bite out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I really do. Like, I want healing to take place, but I have a lot of questions for them. Like, why? You know, like, why couldn't you just love on me and my children in our time and need? Like, was I a threat to you? Mm. Like, I I don't understand because I've, I don't perceive myself as a threat, and certainly not my little children are, are, are threats. And I, I get the reminder part. Like, I get the reminder of probably what, what once was, but I consider myself a pretty healthy person. Like, I can handle it, you know? You just need to be able to handle it, mm-hmm. too. And um, yeah, so I have a lot of questions. And you know, what's sad, Sunny, you were just speaking a lot about something that that kind of brought something up for me is that it's not lost on me that, you know, had my husband, you know, we touched on it a little bit, had he wanted restoration, he probably would still be in the pulpit and he probably wouldn't have lost his position. Like it may look a little different for a a moment, right? And then he goes right back into it. But also I know that if he wanted to be restored, like our oversight, our, our um, oh, what's the word? Um, our covering. covering. Yeah. They have a rehabilitation, you know, arm to yeah. their organization where they bring pastors in and their families. They literally move them. Yeah. And bring them in and spend time with them. They help them find jobs. They, they let them sit and rest in their congregation while they love on them. Had my ex wanted that, that would have been there for all of us. But because he chose to walk away, they didn't even contact me and my, my children. And that's just crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, and so I just know. I mean, there's a lot of questions, right? But we just got to do better. We yeah. we know better. We already know better.
1: Yeah, you did say you know that that he was setting it up and preparing the ground, the soil Absolutely. to make this easy, and so you now know he was also probably disparaging about you. One hundred percent. So he built it up this story that he's getting out of a relationship that everyone should actually be yeah, glad a hard for a relationship
2: him. <laughs> apparently like he he absolutely rewrote the narrative of our our marriage mm-hmm. and you were very open about your marriage, And, you know, Sean yes. and I
1: talk about the first part of our marriage. I was a different person. Yeah. He was a different. Yeah. And then we're honest about that. And you were honest about it. I was. And
2: you didn't make him be honest about what was going no. on at home, which no. is really kind of you. Well, you know, I just, <laughs> I wanted to do the wrong, the right thing. Um, and, you know, I was, it, hap, it was like in the beginning of our marriage. So that's almost 20 years ago. And I, we were both just kids. And so my heart really was to just show up you know, and be vulnerable and be authentic because God really did like just turn my life completely around. The person that I was is not the person I am Mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. And so sharing that for me was just, let me share this and just show people that it is possible for God to do a work like this Mm -hmm. in your life and in your marriage. And there were things that He didn't fully share, or there would be stories that he would share, and I didn't remember them that way, but I'm thinking to myself, well, that's his story, and honestly, that was immaturity on my part. Um, you know, there was a lot of spiritual immaturity, too, and I now know through lots of counseling um, that I probably had no business being on that stage, as early as we started, sharing our testimony. Now, God uses it, you know, and there's been so many people that our testimony brought healing to. And I'm so um, happy about that. But I just have a level of maturity to me now to where I know I had no business be on that stage. And um, he probably, you know, he was a great storyteller. And so, of course, you know, a little prepping. like I was always authentic, but we would go over our story, over our testimony, and, you know, just, you know, I just feel like there was manipulation mm. involved. It's mm. the only way I can really say that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it it's probably it's been probably four years since I've actually shared it. We used to share it every year. and at some point, as I grew, spiritually, you know, and and uh, matured, I just say, you know what? Something didn't feel right. Mm. Something didn't feel right. Well,
1: you, as we walked into the studio, you just finished the two-day journey to wholeness yes. intensive yes. that our lead team just went Amazing. through. And you walked in and you said, you know what? I just feel like my ex-husband, it was all demonic, which is yeah. honestly so kind and mature of you to say, because when we can blame the devil, yeah. we're letting the person off. Like yeah. you still have forgiveness in your heart, but it really was the enemy that even would twist the testimony in yeah. the moment and then you knew this is not, not right the right testimony mm-hmm. and and so you actually also i think you had told me the other night that he would begin he was preaching about and bringing up marriage and talking about marriage yeah. more and more the closer this got yeah. to the end
2: he was actually talking a lot about um Trying to think of the right word. Um, well, a lot of things that we were talking to our, you know, private therapist about um, mother wounds and and different things like that, and he was he was just you know out there teaching what his therapist was teaching, trying to teach him and with an open wound. And honestly, what it was doing to me and my children, like we felt very exposed. Like my girls would call me and say, mom, like he's obviously talking about, his issues. And, and it kind of comes across as you're the bad guy. Wow. Yes. And how uncomfortable it would make us. And he was getting ready to, to be on a very, very large stage, um, probably the largest stage. And he called me knowing that I had an issue um, with this. And he said, you know, I just really feel like God is telling me I need to preach this. Now, I knew that he had already shared with me and a few others that the last time he preached that he got a lot of views on, you know, YouTube and Facebook and all the social media stuff. So I knew enough to know, like, no, God didn't tell you to preach this because I just, yes, like, I just don't believe that God, number one, would do that. He wouldn't expose us. Mm. He wouldn't, you know, bring hurt and pain to your children and to me. And so I asked him very politely, like, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And he, he listened to me, thankfully. But, there was a lot of manipulation. Now looking back, I didn't understand. I didn't like it. Now it's like I can just see where, wow, he was really setting a plan. Like it yeah. was a setup. It was, mm-hmm. it was, unfortunately, it was a setup to make him look a certain way.
0: He was victimizing himself. Yes, mm-hmm. so for a very long go, time. Oh, well, for I I a mean, very he's long time. been very open about the fact that yeah. blah, blah, blah. And you know... Yeah. She blah blah blah. He yeah. definitely which, is, <laughs>
1: which sounds demonic and it sounds sounds strategic. Which it can. It be It is both. very. It <laughs>
2: is. It is. And it and it pains me to say all that because I still love him. Mm. I will always love him. He is the father of my children. You know, and it's like I, I do think it is demonic. And I do think there, like I told you, like, it's really hard for me because I don't know what parts now were real and what parts weren't real. And so it is, it's very confusing, but I also, you know, still believe there's a good man somewhere in there. And I mean, he's the father of my children. And so it's like, I still hold out this hope that God's going to do something, Mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I have to, I have Mm -hmm. to hang on to that.
0: I let believe me, there's me, no, yeah, yeah. Well, I
2: just want to say I believe that God's going to do something for His life. Like there, there is redemption for Him yeah. still.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you a couple practical questions. Have you found a new church home?
2: Not yet. That has been a little bit of a challenge. Right. Um, I've been very kind to myself and my children, and listening to their needs. There's some triggers there for sure, but I can tell like it's time. It's time, okay. and I do I do have um, a couple of places who have contacted me um, in my city, and they just want to welcome
0: us with open
2: arms, Good. which is great.
0: Yeah. Have you found a new home home?
2: I have. I have, and I love it. It's uh, 30 years old and a little project of mine, and it. I'm excited. Which,
1: because her daughter is helping her with... The next step in your life, That's which there'll right. come a time when yeah. you will come out with what you're going to do because you're what's gifted, next? talented, yeah.
2: and what's next. Did, yeah.
0: did you get to buy your home or are you renting it?
2: I did. So um, thankfully, uh, you know, the, the market mm. has been crazy all over, but especially where I was from. And so I was able to sell the family home okay. and uh, just buy, buy a home. Good. Yes, yes.
0: Um, have you found a new job?
2: I have not, but I am working on some things. Okay. You are so right. How how do we put on a resume? Like when you've done ministry your whole life, I've yeah. been trying Event to figure that one about out. The only thing, my goodness, we're professionals at it. But yes, that one's been hard for me. That one's been and, and there's just yeah. That's, this is a journey for sure.
0: So how? Let me. And if you don't want to answer any of these questions, you just. Or if you can't, you can just say it. Uh, how are you making money?
2: You know, so so I do receive a severance package. Yeah. I do. And so I'm glad you asked me that. I don't want it to seem like, you know, the church just literally shut their doors yeah. and threw us out in the street. I do receive a severance package, um, which is so kind, so generous. Um, there is an end date to that, of course. Um, and I am a six on the Enneagram. So, you know, I'm constantly <laughs> reminding myself about that. Um, but I, you know... The other part that I just want to stress about that, um, I don't want somebody to hear this and be like, well, what was she, what is she complaining about? She's receiving a severance package. Well,
1: there's an end date. (laughs) Well, it's
2: not even that. It's like, I just, I just wanted more. I, I wanted more. I didn't want money thrown at me. I wanted love yeah. and acceptance. You wanted a conversation. I wanted a community. I lost my community.
0: Yeah. Well, and let's just be practical. If, I, I mean, I know a guy who he got fired from his job. He was in sales and he got six months salary. Yeah. For getting fired.
2: Well, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not what anywhere near like, you know, what I was used to. It is yeah. generous. It's kind. But it's, you know, it's, it's definitely been hard. You know, it's, it's been hard. Like I'm, there's nights when I can't stop thinking about it and I don't get any sleep because now like it's all me, you know, like I, all the security's gone. So now it's up to me Mm -hmm. and I have to take care um, of these little ones and I have two in college. And so, um, but we're going to figure it out. We're going to be okay.
0: How much longer is your severance?
2: Um, I have about a year. Okay. yeah I have
0: about a year. So I'm going to say something and I, I'm not trying to showboat, but I think it needs to challenge someone we're going to pay your mortgage for the next year.
2: What? Yeah. Oh my. I didn't goodness. even talk to
0: Sonny about it. I just but
2: guys. Uh
0: I, I can't. I'm not saying that because I want to do it on air cuz I like I've been thinking about this for the last 30 minutes. I've been like, oh, we're going to pay our mortgage for. It. Well, I didn't know if you were getting rent, but it's so like we're going to pay our house payment for the next year and I could just tell her off the air, but People need to hear that we need to stand need by to each other, mm-hmm. and there are people who are listening to this who have people in their life who are we go, going. We just pray for you, and that's all we say for you. And it's the least that we can do.
2: Oh my goodness, guys! Okay, so you may not see any tears because I, I am crying, but <laughs> I, we've been through two days of journey through <laughs> holiness. There's no tears left. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh no.
2: I this. You, uh, yeah. I, I have no words right now.
0: You don't need them. Mm-mm. We just, no we love you. And we're <sighs> excited about what God's going to do in your life. And I think as weird as it sounds, the the very best of your life has mm-hmm. not even begun. I, I don't, I refuse to believe that God wants your little babies to suffer. Are they going to suffer? Absolutely. But they're not going to suffer because God wants them to. They're going to suffer because their dad made a bad decision. And they're going to have to go through journey someday to, uh, To figure out, I mean, but here's if I could give you any solace of hope, you know, I mean, I was, I was a terrible dad, I was a terrible husband, I stepped out on my wife, and it was deplorable. And what's incredible is, uh, and I've, I've come back later and had conversations with my kids as they were teenagers, because I felt like they needed to have that closure. It's fascinating the things they don't remember. Wow. The things that God has protected them from, and I believe that that uh, He's a shield that goes before us and is all around us, and I just believe in faith that God is, as you are a mama covering him, he's he's like a hen covering your kids with his wings, and and he is protecting them from some things, and I'm excited to meet them and to. See what God does in their life. I believe that, I and believe that. and so I like I look at the what about the wife and the kids and the kids. Yeah. This is um, I know that you guys have been talking from the female perspective the whole time, but I would I would say this. I think that there's guys that are listening to this and they're making bad decisions right now, and you need to grow up. Wow. You need to you need to grow up and realize that life is not about, I know that you're in ministry and I know that everybody strokes your ego and all 177 people that you have in your church think that you're the greatest person that's ever walked the face of the planet. But you're having conversations on social media that you know you're not supposed to be having. And then that scratching an itch that you didn't know that you had. And now all of a sudden, you're about to make a decision that, that not only you're going to regret, but you just heard from a wife and babies who are suffering because of a bad decision. And you think that, you think that nobody's going to find out but i promise you there's there, there's a guy listening to this right now i'm talking mm-hmm. to a guy right now who's listening and going oh snap i didn't know that anybody knew and you need to get off so you need to get yourself completely off social media and you need to block that woman in your phone and you need to to look yourself in the mirror and say that there is more to this That somebody you need to leave the ministry mm-hmm. you need to go get you a job mm-hmm. <laughs> but my point of the whole thing is that some some guys that are listening to this need to realize the shrapnel that gets lodged inside uh, the body parts of their wives and kids and, and be a man and jump on top of that bomb before it goes off so that you can protect them.
2: And can I just yeah. say one thing to that? Um, I said it to you a couple of days ago, to you in a, a room full of men, um, and I'm going to say it to you and Sonny. Thank you. Thank you so much for um, fighting for each other, for fighting for your marriage, Mm. because I know it's hard. I know it's really, really hard work, but thank you so much because, um, I mean, your family's still intact. You Mm. know, you still have each other, and it's just so worth fighting for. Mm. And when you're on the other side of it, and nobody did fight for you, I can't I can't explain how that feels. Nobody fought for you and nobody fought for what you had and for your children who are now hurting. Thank you for being a man. Thanks. And for and for showing up and for doing that and I I do like when you were speaking just now to men out there, they need to know like something that wasn't that I realized during all this is that anyone can cheat. We, oh wow. Like
1: the opportunities
2: there the are opportunities there, there. Mm-hmm. like i tried to put myself in his shoes and i was like okay like i could see where i absolutely could have went down that route absolutely and so i i get it and i also very well aware that forgiveness is very 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 real and so all you have to do is come clean yeah. and forgiveness so is good. there for you too. So
0: good.
1: Yeah. So to the person that Sean's speaking to, that's thinking, I can't come clean. Yes. Yeah. You're saying, oh my goodness. he didn't even come clean. He was caught. He yes. didn't even ask forgiveness. And you said, I'm willing. Yeah. So yes. think if you came clean beforehand, before oh my you were gosh. caught. You. We talked with Starlish. Kendall didn't come clean. He was caught. Yeah. He did ask forgiveness, mm-hmm. but I mean, he got one of the two things right, and she forgave him, and they're together. Mm-hmm. Your ex could have gotten two of the things yeah. wrong. Yeah, got caught, didn't ask forgiveness, and you
2: were willing to forgive. Yes. And I There's mean, we, i would have been angry. Yeah. We would have had to go through all the things, mm-hmm. right? You, I mean, doesn't mean you're just like, oh, it's no, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. come back home. No, absolutely not. It would have been really, mm-hmm. really, really hard. Mm-hmm. But I would have fought for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I want to. Wrap this up by speaking then to a different audience. And the audience I want to speak to are the pastors who it's not a hundred and seventy-seven-person church that they're friends with that pastor. They're friends with the pastor as a 17,777 and 777-person church. And you don't think that you who are you're thinking, who am I to have the authority? to go to them and say, hey, I'm seeing some things. Well, if you know them well enough, you have their cell phone number, start calling them out. You have said this, Sean, over and over again, why didn't anybody stop us, stop you? Yeah. Because, and you've said this, because your talent got your friends, other pastors, other people further ahead. If you came and spoke for them, you made them look wonderful. You got better offerings, better attendance for their event. And so there are some pastors, you have this person's number and they are, they're getting out of control. So good. You know, we were, we're made to worship something. So it's easy for people to worship you. And Lucifer stood up there and said, oh, this feels good. Right. And then pride took over and he fell. And so there are men standing on stages today, tonight, tomorrow morning, Sunday morning, who in their spirit, their chest is puffed up. Mm. Their hands are out figuratively like, give me more. Come on, I love it. Keep it coming. I am so good. And they got the, all the marketing team. They've got all of the staff behind them telling them all the good that they are yeah. and never saying, you're kind of getting out. of. That was a little bit too far. That phrase was not very pastoral. There has got to be some people listening to this that say, I've got some people in my life that I'm willing to have them ignore my text, but I'm gonna know I texted them.
0: Yeah, well, we had uh, our friend, Pastor Lonnie Keene and Pastor Tracy Keene back here. And at lunch, Pastor Lonnie was having a conversation with me and I almost felt like he was confronting me. Mm. I mean, he wasn't, but it was like so pastoral, this conversation, Mm. and he's 10 years older than me. And he was talking to me that the Holy Spirit's been convicting him about relevance. That what man thinks is relevance, God doesn't think is relevant. Wow. And he talked about, you know, all the, you know, and he, as he was talking, he was saying a few things that he sounded a little bit like an old head. But I was like, yeah, he is an old head. And God's put him in my life as a 10 year older person than me. And he wasn't even confronting me. But he you was were conf- feeling confronted. I, yeah, I yeah. was like, yeah, you know what? There are some things, bro, that we that we have let some things slip and we have let some things slide. Mm -hmm. And uh, the interesting thing about uh, Lucifer is that when you study... The not only was he the worship leader in heaven, he was an instrument unto himself. Mm. He he had the instruments built into him. And as the tone of the music went out from him, he felt like the tone of music should have returned to him. And that's what happens with some of these guys. They are such an instrument. Your husband, such a great communicator. The, the, you don't get to that level and not be. And so you could like go through the list of the top 10 mm-hmm. best communicators mm-hmm. and go, if we don't start praying for those guys right, Right now, the tone of the music that their lives are producing is going to be turned back on Mm. them. And when you begin to hear the tune of your own sound, it's Mm. hard to not be intoxicated. Mm. And so what is it that we're doing to your point of being proactive, of of even being proactive in prayer? Like, I don't know Stephen Furtick. Never. Well, I have met, him, we have met him, but like I don't know Stephen Furtick. But like I, I like I pray for him mm-hmm. because I love. I think yes. he's so good. He yes. to me, I he's inc- he's incredible. And like I just go, God, I, I need you to, I need you to be a force field around Absolutely. him because I, I want to keep listening to Stephen for the next twenty years, mm-hmm. and I, I just feel like, who is it that God has uh, kind of enamored you with? And if He's enamored you with that, maybe He's calling you to pray for that person. I so wish the, somebody yeah. would have so talked
1: to Bill Hybels because he was my hero, a pastor who's all about leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah that that particular one was the most devastating to me that I can remember. And I never met him face to face, but that was devastating. I wish there was someone who would have said, Bill, let's get this together. We our, the pastor I work for in Toronto, Pastor Elio, Morocco. um, He went to Frank Houston's Bible College and Brian Houston wrote the foreword to his book. And I sat across the table from Pastor Elio a couple months ago and I said, do you have Brian's number? He said, yeah. I said, pastor, reach out to him. Mm. He said, who am I, Sonny? I'm like, mm-hmm. you went to Bible college. You were just on a Zoom call with him last month. You, who are
0: you? He wrote the forward. To your he book wrote the bro. forward to your
1: book, <laughs> guys. I, I'm like, I'm like begging people on I this podcast. This podcast isn't so we can have more and more people listen yeah. every week. This is so we can start to make some change. There needs to be people who say, I'm going to step up and be the female mo- mentor mm-hmm. or the female board side of this church. So if anything were to happen, there's advocates for my pastor's life. There's people who are going to stand up and say, they might ignore me, but I'm going to call out things I'm seeing at
2: their church. And that's the thing, not, not to interrupt, but what I saw was, you know, there were certain people who did speak out but it fell on deaf ears, right? Mm-hmm. Because you get to a certain level where you almost feel untouchable and you can't speak to me because you have no idea like what I carry, right? But I I just have to get a shout out because I will say um, my husband did listen to our lead team and highly respected our lead team. Now, at the very end, he wasn't listening to anyone, but they knew something was off And they started to just, you know, it's like we have to look at the fruit. Mm -hmm. And they started to notice, you know, that there was no fruit with this person or that person. And they called them on it. Mm. And almost in unison, they all got up and resigned. And so sometimes it takes that. Sometimes if you can't get through and you're one person and you're like, well, who am I? You know, but maybe it's not just you. Maybe you need to get others around you and say, okay, there's a real problem here. And it's fall- like my voice is falling on deaf ears mm-hmm. and we really do need to intervene. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you gather a few people and pray about it. And, and then, you know, in a biblical way, then you step in. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. love it.
0: Yeah. I love it. So uh, just kind of to wrap this up, to bring it back to the topic that's at hand, what about the wife and kids? I thought it would be uh, appropriate if uh, we started some sort of a fund for wives and oh, kids who How who, uh, who are in your... It's a unique situation, yes. who are in a unique situation of maybe a pastor who has fallen and doesn't want to mm-hmm. be restored. yeah, And so we can do that yeah. through
1: the exchange collaborative.
0: Yep. So if you, if you, so either you can uh, donate to that, if you're listening to this and uh, unlike some nonprofits, 0% of that will go to administration. A hundred percent of not
2: that will yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. go to the wives. But uh, beyond that, if you, if you know mm-hmm. a, a wife who is in a similar situation to our guest today, I would challenge you to step in and at least directly. do something. Mm-hmm. And one thing that would be very practical, and I know that I'm belaboring this, but uh, uh, one of the things that you're getting, and I'm super grateful that you're getting it, but in, but uh, one of the things, like a car is low-hanging fruit, right? They've already bought it. It's easy. What's more difficult than getting a car, even a mortgage, is getting insurance. Yes. And so your insurance is about to tap out. So yes. uh, maybe maybe you're a pastor and you're listening to this and you know a pastor's wife even in your community or who you're connected to maybe in your state I don't know how your state laws work but if you have the ability to bring them on your insurance like I know people who they go out and they get a job at Starbucks so that they can have insurance like insurance is we're we don't have a group insurance here at our church and so we we went looking on the open market to try mm. to get insurance from our family. It. You, for, Yeah, first of all, you can't get a policy. Second of all, it wow. was like it was like $1,500 a month. But oh like, they first? said you
1: got to wait six months till the it's open enrollment. Yeah. Oh, and wow, and so much to learn. Yes.
0: I've literally, I've never had more complex paperwork wow. in my life and I had to get a green card. So it was challenging. So my point is that maybe you know, uh, maybe you're somebody and you go, you know what, uh, we can't do a lot of money but it, you know, for a few hundred bucks a month, you can add somebody to your mm-hmm. insurance plan. So maybe yeah. you want to add that person to your plan. So uh, I would say uh, as, we, as we go, again, thank you for being with us. Thank you, we're, guys. We're so grateful. And your, your story, I mean, it's hard to encapsulate it in an hour, mm-hmm. but it's heartbreaking. It is uh, burdensome to me from the moment that we met you. It's been a mm-hmm. burden. To me, it hurts me that you and your kids are going through this, and so, uh, but you're not alone. You're not the only person no, going not. through this, which is the reason why we're doing yeah. this podcast. And so, if you're listening to this and you are a wife uh, and you've been left out in the cold, and you need—I mean, we don't even have the fund yet, but if you'll reach out to us, we'll we'll help. We'll do something. We'll connect you somehow and uh, make sure that that you're taking care of. And um, if you're listening to this and you are making bad decisions or having bad thoughts or you're on the precipice of some sort of fall, we also want to stand in the gap for you. So reach out to us and you can find it on our website, theexchangecollaborative.com. Our phone numbers are on there. Our emails are on there. Our social is on there. <laughs> everything is on there. My social security, <laughs> no, my social security number not on there. But anyway, we love you and we, we believe in you because we know that there is a rise after the fall.
1: Hi, friends. It's Sunny again. And I just want to say, Sean and I appreciate your faithful listening. And we hear all the time that many of you are sharing this. In fact, we've had a few people say, I tell everybody I know, specifically other pastors and leaders about this podcast. And so we may have shared in our early season two episode about the story of getting a retreat center that we're now going to call the reserve, Uh, 20 acres, multiple houses, and the ability to house pastors and leaders, their families. We're going to basically say we're hosting the hurting, we're hosting the betrayed, we're restoring the betrayer. Uh, and so now we have a campus to do that on a a twenty acre property to do that on, as well as we'll continue to bring people into Green Bay, and we provide um, help in the finances for that and the housing for that at times as needed. Also, we'll continue to go to people. We've done that over the last couple of years, flown directly to couples in crisis. That's been, An ongoing thing that Sean and I, Pastor Becky, Pastor Barry, have done. But what I wanted to ask you is that um, because this retreat center is $1.8 million, which actually for 20 acres, a massive house, other housing, uh, it's really reasonable. We just happened to find it in a great location, and the person who's selling it to us has a ministry heart. He's on the board of the church that we interned at coming right out of Bible college. It's just crazy, the God story. But we need to get $600,000 as the down payment. Now he's going to spread that over the first year. So it's 54,000 a month. Then after that, the 1.2 million that we will finance with him those payments will start and that's in the 70 some hundred dollars. So $7,000 a month plus utilities and expenses, but that's much more palpable than $54,000 a month. But for this first year, we're grateful that we didn't have to come up with $600,000 to even begin work on the property. We already own it. We're already doing construction. But what I would ask you is if you would consider, and you may say, it's me, I have, you know, $100,000 put away for our church that we are going to start construction on something, or you may say I have $1.8 at the church I lead, and we were breaking ground, but I feel—this <laughs> is the crazy thing. I've heard some crazy stories about pastors who, after having the money or praying for the money, and they get it for something God's having them do, God told them to give it away. But then God— exceeded their expectation. And they came back and had eightfold, ninefold. I know of a church in Texas, this just happened. Uh, They gave a million dollars they had raised to break ground on a new property. And someone had been at this conference with them and they had a roof that had caved in and it was a million dollars to repair it. And God told him, give the million dollars. Well, he did. And within a few weeks, they had a company come to them and offer them money for the land. And to give them land they owned, and they basically were given about $8 million. From their million dollars, they gave away. So I just know that when Sean and I even have given $1,200, which was our first big gift when we were first married at a conference, and God told us, give everything. And we had $1,201 in our bank account, which was a ton for us. It was like our savings. We gave it, we got home and we had a check in our mailbox for $1,250. Now we made $49 on that, but it increased our faith. We made a lot of return on our faith and that investment and knowing God will never ask us to give that he doesn't have a huge plan. So I take this time to say, you might be the one that says, we're gonna give you 1.8. You'll never have to worry about money as you do this ministry. You might say, we're gonna give you 600,000 for the down payment so that you don't have to stress for the first year at 54,000 a pop as you build it out. Or you might say, we're gonna give monthly or we have something else in mind. Thank you for considering it. Thank you for stepping out in faith and thank you for being a faithful listener to this. We appreciate you.